Thanks for listening to our podcast today. This is episode number seven of the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast. But what that really says about you, if somebody was to look at it, it's like, okay, yeah, he was goofing off at the, the beginning. But now, as I look at his resume, as I look at his transcript, I'm seeing this kid pulled his stuff together. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if he was uh, smoking something. I don't know if he was partying too hard. or I don't know if somebody in the family happened to have had a life issue. But man, he obviously has the potential if he can get 4.0s on the back end. Sure. Most of the time, it's the other way around, right? Where folks get 4.0s when they first come in. Rise Up Mentoring was created to help students get the advice and encouragement they need to successfully graduate and prepare for their careers and life overall. Listen to the conversations of students and successful mentors to become the best version of you. Get the helpful advice that everyone else seems to already have and that you wish someone would have shared with you. Welcome back for another great episode with a twist on the format. I'm trying something new this week after taking a break for Thanksgiving. You get to hear the answers we provided for a panel discussion that I hosted two weeks ago with approximately 50 students from the Texas A&M Engineering Academy program based at the Spring Branch location of Houston Community College. This week's participants are William Minter, VP of Implementation Services for Pinnacle ART, and Prince Gamage from Lionel Bissell is returning alongside William. Full disclosure, due to technical difficulties, we had to re-record the answers with only William Minter and Prince Gamage. Christopher Robertson from the Chevron Corporation, Tawanda Kelly from the Dow Corporation, Chow Lee of Legend Companies, and Nigel Brown with Accenture also participated in the panel discussion, but you will hear from them in another episode. In this episode, we address the topics of how to balance schoolwork with jobs and extracurricular activities, why GPA is important, how to avoid procrastination, and whether or not introverts can be successful in corporate America. This is Norman Brown, your host of the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast. All right. So a lot of students have a lot of energy when we say, hey, you need to get your GPA as high as possible because they don't know why. They simply look at the GPA as a number, a measure of how well they're doing. But as far as they're concerned, I've seen a lot of students that view GPA as, you know, just a number that happens to be there. As far as I'm concerned, if I happen to get a diploma, I happen to get my degree, I get a job automatically. There is no, it's as automatic as going from middle school to high school. And I wanted to make sure that we got your input, William, and your input, Prince. Prince, I'd like for you to jump in first and share why you think GPA is important or why they should at least, how they should view GPA. Well, I don't think GPA is important. I know a GPA is important. From a higher perspective, there's a minimum GPA that the system where your resume is submitted online monitors. And if you don't even meet that threshold, you won't even have the opportunity for a follow-up phone call. So that alone gets you in the gate. Now, with that entry GPA, the higher your GPA you have, it makes you more competitive among the remaining candidates that the HR representative is reviewing. So, and then ultimately what everyone that I know of went to college for, GPA is tied 
to your initial salary, your initial compensation. Once you get into the company, your skills, your experience, um, any certifications you have, that will now speak on behalf of you. But your initial stages is going to be your GPA that drives the level of payment that you receive. Along the same lines of what you were talking about, right? Uh, it affects how much you get paid. I, there's an individual, um, a close family friend of ours that we know graduated from college with an engineering degree and happens to work at Walmart because he could not get the jobs that everybody else was getting with the engineering firms or with the oil and gas firms because he he didn't want to put the effort in. It's so much more effort that you have to put in when you have a 2.5 GPA than if you have a 3.5 GPA. So the 92 interviews that he would have to go on instead of the nine that many others would have to go on was an insurmountable task for him. So he didn't want to, he didn't want to bother with it. So I wanted them to understand that from that perspective. So thank you, Prince. William, I think you have a nice slant on this as well. So what, what is your input on this? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Norman. Um, yeah. For, so for me, I think I spoke on this a little bit earlier. Um, my, the first, you know, beginning of my college career, I spent a little bit too much time uh, engaging with friends and partying and probably not as much with the studying and making sure I get good grades. Because the thing about your GPA is if, if you focus on making really strong grades at the beginning, it's really easy for you to maintain that as you go on throughout your career because of the law of the averages across your, your college career. But if you start off with uh, really low grades, it's really hard as you gain credit hours for you to increase the average over time. So by the end of your college career, it's really, really hard, if not impossible, to really improve your GPA at the very end of your career. So what I found is I was in a similar situation where my GPA was a little bit lower at the beginning of my college career, and I had to work extra hard. And talking about making 4.0s in in most of my classes through the the back half of my college career to really make a difference in my GPA. At the very end, my GPA was not fantastic. And so, you know, if if you find yourself in a position where your GPA is not fantastic, and it may even be weeded out by some of these, um, you know, corporate filters that Prince was talking about, which is absolutely the case. There's companies that won't even see your GPA if it doesn't, you know, exist above a certain level then you you need to go above and beyond to build networks and build relationships with people outside of uh, outside of your comfort zone. And so and in the, my very personal um, example, I actually networked with individuals outside of the career center and actually built relationships and found my career through getting to know people who liked me and thought that I was a strong potential leader for their organization and didn't look at my GPA because I had built rapport with them. It's really important to build relationships outside of just the career center, outside of your GPA. And it's even more important if your GPA is lower. That is an awesome example because I didn't even know that about you, William, that you were pulling 4.0s on the back end of your your college career to try and pull your GPA up. But what that really says about you, if somebody was to look at it, it's like, okay, yeah, he was goofing off at the, the beginning. But now, as I look at his resume, as I look at his transcript, I'm seeing this kid pulled his stuff together. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if he was uh, smoking something. I don't know if he was partying <laughs> too hard, or I don't know if somebody in the family happened to have had a life issue. But man, 
he obviously has the potential if he can get 4.0s on the back end. Sure. Most of the time, it's the other way around, right? Where folks get 4.0s when they first come in. Yeah, Norman, you know what? You're right. That tells a story. If you were to look at it and really pull it apart, it tells a story. But, you know, the fact of the matter is when you're going to apply for a job at a corporation, no one's going to take the time to look at that story. They're not going to dig into that story. They're digging through thousands of resumes and thousands of people. You know, they're not going to take the time to go look at that. So what you got to do is convince someone that it's worthwhile to take a look at your story. Absolutely. Great point, gentlemen. Thank you very much. That is amazing. That's powerful. Moving on. Many employers look for students that are well-rounded. So we keep talking about GPA. We keep talking about why it's so important to focus on school. And we're almost making it sound, I don't want us to get this place, where we're making it sound like get into your books and your classes and don't talk to anybody else don't go to any parties and certainly don't meet any girls or boys. Is that what we're saying, Prince? Not at all. N- not at all. We're, we're just saying prioritize your time and your efforts. Now, you don't want to get into a trap of where that's all you're doing. Or even you don't want to get into, into a trap of me personally where I was about my academics to the point that every night at 10 o'clock, I was going to bed no matter what I was doing so I could be refreshed and wake up the next morning to go to class and go to my study sessions and and study with my friends. But the remainder of any free time I had, I was spending it with my girlfriend, the person who I was dating since senior year in high school. So that really... (laughs) But that really made a skewed college life. It, I didn't, I limit myself from meeting new people or getting into organizations. Um, I had limited interaction or a limited presence on the actual campus of my university. So I am definitely not the path to emulate to be successful in a college career academically and socially. So we're not saying just shun yourself from the world, but we're, we're saying making sure you're being successful at what you were accepted into this university to do, and that's to study and exceed and sell in your studies. Yeah, Prince, I mean, I think I've got a similar situation where I think if I were to sum it up, I would say, you know, the, the old saying, the old adage, all things in moderation. I think that I did not have all things, you know, looking back in, in over those four, those five years that I was in university, I did not have all things in moderation. I think that I front-loaded a little bit of partying on the front end of my college career. And what that meant is, since I didn't moderate, then I couldn't have the moderation on the end, on the back end. So what I had to do is offset it with an undue amount of hardcore studying and hours in the library and, and whatever else. And that's what the end of my college career looked like. Had I taken a more balanced approach to my college career at the beginning... And, and really treated it as if it was all things in moderation, I think that I could have had a more balanced, you know, college career throughout. Man, gentlemen, y'all are, I'm just learning so much more about you guys. I've been around for you for both for, for a while. William, you for almost two years. Prince, I've known you for, well, I won't, I won't date our relationship because then they're going to think we're old guys. So we know <laughs> each other for a while. <laughs> um I'm pretty sure at one point or another that each of you were procrastinators. As amazing as both of you are now, uh, each of you had to procrastinate at one point or another in your life. How do you avoid procrastination 
particularly when a lot of students think that it makes you better? Hey, I've never procrastinated. So, uh, Prince, you got this. Oh, wow. <laughs> man, well, you need to, I need to read your book then because, man, yeah, I've definitely procrastinated in my day. <laughs> um, one has to understand is there's power in the process. Even though it's mundane, even though it could be the most bland experience, there's something that's being sharpened, whether it's tangible on the outside or the inside, that you have to learn how to enjoy the process. My problem was I did procrastinate, but I quickly wanted to move on just to check off the box. And I had to come across the path of an individual, another mentor who taught me is like, hey, man, enjoy the process. You don't want to look back and just see all you have is checks on the boxes. So just make sure you're going through each path and not just pushing it off at the end. I think some people, I think people will get to the point that they just, they're overloaded. That they'll say, you know what? I don't want to add this additional stress in my life. And that's the point that I got to because my senior year in undergrad was my freshman year in grad school. And in grad school, my courses were so above me that I always had a blank stare in each course, I could not afford procrastinating anymore. Like I really had to make sure the 48 hours before the next course, I was spending a lot of time in the professor's office. Well, that's just one professor that I'm in his office. So I got to make sure I have my undergrad courses for my senior design class already completed, uh, the homework associated with that. So I can spend the remaining time on my grad courses. So sometimes you'll get put in a corner that it will force you to change your, your, your habits. And that was for me. Yeah, Prince, I, I follow that 100%. I mean, it, it's the same for everyone. I feel like you can make it. There's, there's a lot of smart people out there, uh, especially if you're in the, the position you're in. Let's say you've gotten through high school and you're, you're in college. You've gotten this position where you are likely smart enough to be able to pull it off before the deadline. And Prince, for you, you were. It sounds like you were saying, "I got to a point where I was maxed out, and it was no longer successful for me to be able to get it done just before the deadline. I got to find a better way to uh, to maximize the process to make it more successful." Correct. Yeah, I mean, it was the same same thing for me. I mean, I reached a point in my career. Um, for, for me, it was definitely happened in college, but I've seen the same thing happen in my uh, my career because I'm not perfect. It wasn't like a light switch where all of a sudden I'm not a procrastinator and that, you know I, I was a procrastinator and I'm not. It's something that we always deal with or always you know battle with. But it, you reach this point where you really start understanding, like Prince was saying, that if you don't get it straight, then you're going to get overwhelmed and you're not going to be able to be successful anymore. It will it will outpace you if you're a human being and you're trying to be more successful. Correct. No matter what. If you're not dedicated, then what you end up doing is just wait, putting off to the last minute because something else is taking priority in your life or in your mindset. And when you, when you push that off, you're not dedicating yourself to it. And I think when you make the decision to dedicate yourself to something, meaning dedication, meaning I'm going to be excellent at it, then you've made up in your mind, I'm not going to wait till the last minute. I'm going to, I'm going to put... I'm going to take my time and I'm going to make sure I do well. I'm going to make sure that I excel in this, this thing, whatever that is. Yes. Correct. At the end of the day, I think what's really important is to set deadlines. I mean, like we've talked about the importance of not procrastinating, but I think a really, a, a, a positive tool that I've used to not 
end up procrastinating is to change the deadline. So something is due on the you know Monday the 15th, I will set on my calendar. I mean, you've got to be organized enough to have a calendar in the first place, but I'll set on my calendar. Um, you know, the due date is not the 15th. The due date is the 10th. I mean, you got to convince yourself in the mind, in your mind that the due date is the 10th. That's a, it's a practical tool. I'm not actually able to, uh, convince myself in the mind. So what I always have to do is I have to find somebody like Prince or somebody else that happened to know, Hey, here's something that I want to do. I have to, if I tell you, Prince, that I'm going to do something by the 10th, even though it's not done till the 15th. I've made a commitment verbally. So that's my driver and what's going to make me want to do something differently. Uh, the one thing that I want to make yeah. sure, go ahead, William. I, I don't want to get off this topic real quick because you made a comment and, and I don't want to get too philosophical mm-hmm. on you, but isn't that what you're doing in a team? Because when you're in a college career, a lot of what you're doing is just up to yourself. You're like, I'm going to get this homework done, or I'm going to get this paper done, or I'm going to get this assignment done, or I'm going to study for this test. But when you're in real life, the commitments you make are less to yourself and they're more to a team. So Norma, what you were saying a second ago is, hey, instead of the deadline being the 15th, I'm going to make the deadline the 10th. And I'm going to make that commitment to Prince or to William. That's what you're doing in real life. You're making a commitment to other people to get something done which holds, helps to hold you accountable. If you can start practicing that in your college career, you're going to be more successful in your yep. working career. For me, the one thing for me that I really, really, really understood was when I procrastinate, it's because I don't want to do the entire thing. I don't want to do three hours of work. I don't know exactly what it is. And I think it's going to take me 14 days to do it. So I, since it's not clear, I don't know exactly how I need to do it. I just choose to push it off because I don't know. I'm scared I don't know what I'm doing or I don't understand the whole thing. So I'm going to back away and leave it alone until I figure it out. And one of the things that I realized, and I don't know if it was from the book Getting Things Done or it was from one of the other productivity experts, was just figure out what the first thing is that you need to do. Spend 15 or 30 minutes on it and do that. And once you've done that, you will have a better idea of what you need to do next. So that you just take one step at a time That'll get you where you need to go if you're taking one step at a time. All I'm worried about is this next step and then this next step because uh, that's what you need to do. It's like walking up uh, dark stairs with a lamp. You can't see the top of the staircase. You just got to take one step at a time until you finally get there. Man, that's great. That is that is definitely great. That sounds like something that Zig Ziglar or Jim Rohn would say. Yeah. You know, because a lot of us, we get caught up in analysis paralysis. And it's not just... The principles, the one thing that I really enjoy about my college career is that the principles that you learn aren't just for college. They're not even just for uh, corporate America and private sector. They're they're for life. I mean, the, the work ethic, the delayed gratification, understanding sacrifice, those skills that I acquired through college allowed me to understand, okay, this is the goal that I want to have. So what's the path needed to get there? and identify it and accept it and then just execute it. And those were the things I were able to grasp because I learned that that mentality in college. That is awesome, fellas. All right. So last thing, and I don't know if we're going to spend much time on this one at all, but the last question that I mm-hmm. have captured that we were asked was, is it possible to be successful as an introvert? Because everybody sees somebody that stands up in front of the crowd and is ready to talk to individuals and they assume 
that every leader, every successful person they've ever seen has been an extrovert. Is it possible to be successful as an introvert? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So William said no. So apparently whoever's an introvert, if you are listening to this podcast and ever happen to uh, hire on with Pinnacle ART, ask for a different manager. (laughs) Prince, I I think you classify yourself or identify yourself as, as, as an introvert. What do you say about this? Because I, I, I see, I look from the outside in and, and see what's been going on with you in your career. Oh, I am a hardcore introvert. Now, I'm a very outgoing person. I, I enjoy to be with people. I enjoy being an accountability partner, sharpening people, helping people, seeing them succeed. However, I regenerate and I get my energy back by being alone. Alone to the point, I mean, I'm married and I have a four-month-old daughter, but I still, I need to have the house empty to actually get my energy back. If not, I start getting agitated. If it continues to go too long, I actually start getting depressed because I need to be by myself. So, however, I have a degree. I have two degrees in mechanical engineering, a bachelor's and a master's. I have a commercial real estate license. I have an API certification so I've definitely succeeded where others have wanted to succeed. Being introvert does not affect a team effort. Being introvert just means, okay, when I'm not in working hours or if I'm not in class hours, I just don't like to be around a lot of people. That has no relationship with, okay, when it's time to do work, I need to interact with a group of people to execute on a goal. So I think a lot of people think, well, my personal life is I want to be alone, so it can't merge with my college life. They don't need to merge. You just need to be able to find a common ground with an individual. I've worked with very difficult people. However, I found a common ground with them. There's something that we shared or something that they were passionate about that I had an interest in. Even though they were a difficult person to be around, we were able to make sure we had a successful project. So I think people need to identify you don't need to have your whole personal life in academics or in the work force. You just need to be able to work with others. Thank you for that. William, I know you have got to jump on some of this because I was I can almost see the wheel spinning even though I'm talking to you over. <laughs> No, I, I listen, I totally uh, agree with what you were saying, Prince. I think it's 100% about, it's not about public speaking or public engagements or some of the things that we were doing with this panel interview or any of that stuff. I think it's it's simply about being able to interact with other people. And I think it's okay to be able to say, hey, I can work with a small team of individuals, identify my role on the team, and really maximize that role. And there's even studies you can do on your own to start saying, hey, how can I research the strengths and the benefits of the other people on the team and then start helping to maximize those benefits of the other people on the team and doing what's necessary to make the team successful. Uh, you don't have to be an outgoing, uh, you know, charismatic speaker to necessarily be successful. It's simply about being saying, how can I do what I do well to make the team successful? That is awesome. Yeah, there's just a couple of, uh, I want to make sure individuals do not equate being a hermit with being an introvert. You you don't define yourself based on it's whether you're 
always in people's faces, always talking to individuals, always uh, giving high fives to individuals, whatever it is. Those are those are actions that people take. You can give somebody a high five and still be an introvert. You can be pleasant and still be an introvert. It has nothing to do with those things. You can even talk in front of large groups of people and still be an introvert. You will feel terrible after doing <laughs> it. But there are many individuals that can do that well and then just disappear after having that conversation. They don't stick around and talk. I think there's, you know, there's quite a few pastors that do the same thing. Like, hey, I'm going to come out here and preach in front of 5,000 people. But after I finish preaching, I don't want to see any of y'all for about 14 hours. Yeah. (laughs) We've got a close friend. That's what he does. He interacts with a lot of individuals. He's a leader of, of many people and he goes golfing. And I thought, hey, we, we're good friends. I'm going to go golfing with you. But golfing for him is his recharge time. That's the one time he doesn't want to hear from uh, anybody that that he leads. He doesn't like his family members, his friends. There's a couple, a handful of individuals that he will go and spend time with. But for the most part, that's his time where he basically says, leave me alone. <laughs> And that's all right. <laughs> we just got to understand that's all right. Just don't be mean about it. And folks won't take off offense, right? They don't They don't walk up in your house at nine o'clock at night and say, hey, you know, we're all a team. You got to spend more time with me. It is after hours. Yeah. Leave me alone. And everybody's down for that. So Norman, one, one more thing I'd say is like, you know, we talked about, you know, great leaders being, you know, uh, maybe extroverted and charismatic and all these other things, you know. If, if we were to go through a list of who are the most uh, charismatic, no, sorry, not charismatic, who are the most successful leaders of our day? I'm, I'm pretty sure someone like Elon Musk would show up yeah. on that list. Elon Musk has started Tesla. Yeah. He is SpaceX, PayPal. I mean, he is wealthy. And he's, some, he's someone who is creating uh, success for mankind in future generations. He's going to be somebody who's going to create what, what mankind looks at for success going forward. That I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard Elon Musk speak in public, but that guy, if you haven't, you should go check it out. Just Google, you know, Elon Musk uh, speaking or Elon Musk presentation or keynote speech. His speaking abilities are, let's say, not top 10. <laughs> he's, he's, That's he is uh, not the most charismatic speaker. In fact, if, if charismatic speaking is definitely not in his top, like, you know, list of skills. Uh, he, he stutters when he speaks and he's very shy and he's not charismatic and he doesn't come across as this stereotypical extroverted charismatic leader. However, he's probably one of the most successful leaders that we have in our day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think he would classify himself as an introvert. There's probably, you could probably Google that and he's probably an introvert. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure about that. Yeah. It's, it's just about, a, uh, there's only a handful of things that uh, I think Steve Jobs, I don't think Steve Jobs was a people person, <laughs> nope. right? Steve Jobs was not the nicest individual to work for. He didn't give hugs or high fives or any of that stuff. He wasn't, you know, a real smiley guy. He was passionate and everybody's passionate about something. Once you figure out what that is that you're passionate about, that will help you be able to be pleasant around individuals, to be positive around the different individuals that you work with and to be helpful with them. 
you know, as well as mm-hmm. having a sense of humor. If you can have a sense of humor and you're going to have a sense of humor around areas where you care about, you have a lot of energy around those, that's where you put yourself in to those type of events or uh, circumstances so that you can, you can be good and not overextend yourself. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, Norman, if you would permit me to yeah. add a comment here, just what I feel like is being is being stated from the youth, um, these college students. They may not explicitly state it, but really what I'm seeing with the questions is they're stating, in a sense, if you can let me reward it, reword it, how can I be successful without changing? Uh, because it's like, well, yep. you know, I procrastinate. Uh, well, I'm not a people person. Well, well, I don't want to do this. And it's like, so how can I be successful? And it's like, you cannot. You you have to go through a growth process. You have to step out of your comfort zone to gain and grasp these experiences, which will shape you into the person that you desire to be. But you can't sit in one area and say, I'm not going to do anything and I want to get this degree. That's it's not going to happen. I have never once Ooh. thought about it that way about that folks are really saying, I just don't want to change. Yeah. Uh, that is amazing. I've, uh, that That is insightful, Prince, that I've never, ever once seen that with all the students that we've worked with over the time. Hey, Prince, I'll say, dude, you, you, hit it, you, you hit the nail on the head right there with that. You're right on. You cannot have success without change. Norman, you and I went through this um, learning recently uh, as we worked together and we were talking with... Uh, Ryan Sitton and Michael Lasso. Uh, and we were talking about one of the m- most important components of being successful is continual growth. Mm-hmm. You cannot be successful if you're not willing to grow. And that's, that Prince, is- you hit it right on the head, dude. I've been referencing a lot of Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and Jim Rohn. And I've been on a lot of Jim Rohn podcasts lately. I, he's just, that's just been my dude. Like, man, I really enjoy his messages. Uh, but one thing is not just financial, but this goes to corporate America. It goes to um, academics. Jim Rohn, he was talking about the mentor that he had. And when he came, this mentor that came into his life when he was like 26. And within five years, that mentor made Jim Rohn a millionaire. And he was telling Jim, he said, Jim, the point of me making you a millionaire is showing you how to become a millionaire. It's not so you can have a million dollars. It's like, you know, you can give any fool a million dollars, give them time, they're going to lose it. Just like if you take all the wealth in the world and equally distribute it to every person in enough time, it's going to go right back to where it was. So he was like, the million dollars is not what I'm trying to have you get. It's the person that you will become to attain that million dollars. That's what you need to grasp. And it's the same thing, the message to these kids, not the degree that makes you successful. It's who you become to attain that degree, because those are the life skills that you would gain throughout these next four to five years when you're at school. So I just want to make sure that this generation and this group of listeners who hears this message is you really have to embrace that delayed gratification, strip away the ego and the pride and and just understand you're going to have to change if you really desire to become the person who can walk across that stage with that degree. 
As you heard in this episode, you cannot have success without change. You need to grow continually. I want you to ask yourself, what's the one area where I need to get better? Prince and William mentioned a few leaders and authors, but I'd like to point you to our website, riseupmentoring.com, for a list of recommended books. Whether you need to develop in leadership, financial understanding, or your own personal faith, I encourage you to download a list and pick an area of development and read one of these books over the winter break. Thanks for listening to our show this week. If you want to learn more or listen to other episodes, you can go to riseupmentoring.com slash podcast. If you have an idea for an episode that you'd like to hear or have a suggestion for who I should interview, hit me up on Twitter at Rise Up Mentors or on Facebook and Instagram at Rise Up Mentoring US. If you found this episode helpful, please consider helping us spread the word by sharing our podcast on social media or writing a review for us on iTunes or wherever you find our podcast. I'm Norman Brown, and you've been listening to the Rise Up Mentoring Podcast.